my face And it smelled like the truth I saw you in the lake I saw you in the lake I lay flat on the bed Really cools me off Keep it dumb, make it soft Keep it dumb, make it soft Watch the sound like an idiot that was uh country by porches uh joe yes why did you pick that song uh first paul you always sound like an idiot i know um and uh <laughs> i picked it because it is off uh their upcoming album uh which is called the house mm. which is a fun name if your band's called porches um and, and you know their and, previous uh, album was called like pool is this like you know different things that could be on your residential lot is that what we're going with here yeah and the, well then they had an album called water so mm, i see yeah um so i i i like porches uh they have that uh frankie well they're closely <laughs> related to frankie cosmos uh both in sound and personally um and uh are part of whatever that movement is i guess it's DIY. I don't. I don't understand the names of movements anymore because I'm old. Uh, and I like porches, and I like this song. It's uh, I'm a sucker for atmospherics. It's a good song. Um, wait, is there like a defined, clearly delineated movement that they're a part of, or I don't know. It... I I just okay. I think it's like indie bands like that um, basically sit around in their room and release like two to three albums a year. Yeah, you know, just endless uh uh or endless tracks coming out. Yeah, it does seem like they just had an album not long ago. Yeah. So cool. It's a good song. Yeah. Um I I wanted to like the previous album more than I did, so maybe this one will do. Yeah, it. the previous one was a bit of a, a letdown compared to um uh some of their one some of their uh, albums. The Slow Dance in the Cosmos, which was really good. Mm. So he does have a song that refers to Frankie Cosmos's name. Yes. This, well, he has uh, an album called Okay. Oh, okay. Well, but, there was a there was a deep cut joke because Frankie Cosmos has a song called Porches. So. Yes. Oh yeah, there's well there's I actually my favorite Porches song is called The Cosmos. So. There, there you go. Oh, there no, go. wait. Maybe that's what it was and I had the joke the other way around or maybe they both actually exist. I don't know. I think they both <laughs> exist. All right. Um, they're funny. I like their sense of humor is the point here. Yes, story. they're young and dramatic and funny. We like that. Um, 
Paul, it is the day after Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever dressed up as a musician for Halloween? Um, gosh, I want to say no, but I can't guarantee that because I don't remember what I've ever worn for <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Uh, the one costume I definitely can remember, I can remember two for sure. One was a generic 70s guy, which I wore like 12 years ago or something. Uh, after going to a thrift store and buying a truly ridiculous 70s outfit. Um, the other was, uh, there are pictures of me as a kid going to not a Halloween party, but an All Saints Day party. Because we were too holy for Halloween. Oh my God. Dressed as uh, St. Peter, I believe. With a a fishing rod, which was you know like a, a a burlap robe and some sandals, and a fishing rod with some you know paper fish on the end of it, because Peter uh, was to be a fisher of men. Although really, my parents should have gone the full macabre way and put like little Barbie dolls on the end of my fishing rod. Now that I think about it, uh, this that might be the the lamest detail from your previous <laughs> life. As a Christian that I've heard, uh, wow. I, I was two or three. It's not my fault. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I'm not I'm not blaming you. It's just uh, uh, quite lame. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't do Halloween until I was like 13, Joe. Cool. It was a, it was a sad life. Eh. Um, uh, yeah, I dressed up as Rivers Cuomo in college once, uh, which oh, is nice. quite easy if you, I happen to have a pair of black thick glasses with uh fake lenses in them um Mm -hmm. that i use to tape my microphones on for bootlegging concerts Um, oh i remember those yeah (laughs) and someone lent me a weezer blue sweater and that was the entirety of the costume and uh, got a lot of love so you didn't like find a half japanese girl you could follow around creepily all night or anything no no i i did not do that uh my that would be like if your girlfriend were half Japanese, that would be a great duo costume. I took, I, I uh, you know, I posted a, a personal ad for it. And uh, I don't know, what <laughs> what do you do? You would call it in the 2000s. What would one, yeah, would one even um, post that? I it was my aim away message. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Anyone know a half Japanese girl? I did know a half Japanese girl. Um, <laughs> she would have thought that was funny and then also creepy uh, never yeah she never <laughs> spoke to me again um well uh, young lady out there it's still not too late to never talk to joe again that's hopefully true. you're listening um that doing a good job of it right now um she is <laughs> never talking to me again no. uh paul part two of the question though is that if you had access to uh the um the world's full array of costume designers and makeup artists uh, for free. Who, what musician would you dress up as for Halloween? I would would have somebody make me a suit that was Bjork wearing the swan dress. Yes. That's a good one. It wouldn't just be the swan dress. It would be like fake Bjork face and everything. Yeah. So Uh, you'd be, you'd be wearing Bjork wearing the swan dress. Exactly, yes. That's awesome. I can see that clearly, even though I don't understand what I'm seeing. <laughs> or alternatively, I could dress up as a swan with Bjork draped around mm, me. I like that, too. People might mm. get that more. Yeah, 
would make more sense, I think. I, I, either way, some inception around living I, creatures and rock musicians. Is I feel like that costume's doable. You could just get a swan costume and like cut out Bjork. <laughs> you could just get a swan costume and murder Bjork, and you're right there. <laughs> well, yes, they, of course. Um, you know, though that reminded me actually that maybe the David Byrne in the big suit is a a, ah. a good answer. That's uh, that's clearly the most savage beast Halloween costume. You yeah. Could wear. Yeah, actually, I asked this question. I didn't have an answer prepared because I couldn't think of a good one. I kept thinking of terrible ones like, you know, a zombie version of some musician that died young. Just all in bad taste. Yeah. Shaving your head and wearing silver pants and the Zero shirt like Billy would be pretty cool, but... uh... Todd did did dress as Billy. Oh, really? I think when he was uh, maybe in ninth grade. This is our high school friend, Todd. (laughs) Yeah. We can't. We have to mention Billy and our high school friends in every episode. So we just like crushed it right there. We need a little. Um, we need a little theme song for both of those things. You know, absolutely. The today uh, riff. I should. I should make like a little. A little. Yeah, that would work. Or just some break beat to introduce. Yes. Us. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I was trying to think. You know, we don't really dabble in the the style stylistic aspect of rock and roll too much. So. I feel like it would no. be uh, disingenuous to go as David Bowie or maybe that's or someone, you know, some, you know, famous punk rocker. You know, you know, what would be cool, though, is if you could do somebody's probably done this. I bet if you Google image search this, it'll show up. But like uh, like if you could combine like six of David Bowie's iconic looks into one Ooh. outfit, that would be pretty badass. That's a good one. You could go as the as uh, the Andy Warhol banana from the cover of velvet underground (laughs) that would be good that would be good i guess Um, once you get into the album covers you can get pretty uh, yeah pretty crazy pretty quickly the the naked kid from the nevermind cover yes um, just be naked and have a dollar bill hung out in front of you yeah um if you could somehow (laughs) be the 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 jacket uh for dark side of the moon that would be really impressive Mm. a triangle with a rainbow going through it yeah you could you could it could be done hmm yeah i don't know or we could do uh the wish you were here cover and one of us could be on on fire (laughs) there we go (laughs) i'm googling wish you were here costume (laughs) oh my god there's someone is the okay number one there's someone dressed as the triangle and it's pretty good oh really yes he's he is the pyramid what did you what did you google I, I did wish you were here costume, but I got dark okay. side of the mood. So he's the pyramid, like with the top of the pyramid as a hat. And then each arm, like one arm is the rainbow and the other arm is like the pure white light. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. With the arms, that makes sense. It works out. And then the other thing I got is the wish you were here cover as a print, except Bat uh, Super- <laughs> Superman is shaking hands with a flaming Batman. I'm looking at this, and I mean, there's nothing our culture loves now more than the uh, 
nonsensical pop culture mashup. So I'm going to chalk that up to this. Like, Paul, there's no logic here. In 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 the alternate world where this podcast's popular and we have uh, a, st- a studio and an office, we definitely own a print of this. Like, it's definitely <laughs> on the wall. No, see, it, it, in the yes, bedroom. So that I can hate you for having it because I hate these like things that make no sense except that the only joke is here are two things you remember and then they put them together. Well, that's why uh, it could be in the men's room. That's why. Yeah. Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool ID, best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mind. Come on. Yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast. <laughs> Slightly above average, at least not. Preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply, little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower, see how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower fell to the top of it, a hawk, a pigeon, a dove, a vision of love. And welcome to Savage Beast. I'm Joe Gallagher. With me as always, uh, the 2017 World Series champion, Paul McLeod. Joe, uh, it was a miracle I survived Hurricane Harvey, um, but I came back from it to win the World Series, so it kind of all worked out in the end for the better, if you ask me. Yeah, um, I didn't know you could be uh, on the team, um, you know, in the role of uh, camaraderie itself, but when you're, <laughs> you, you just kind of float, you kind of enter into, you know, some sort of alternate uh, state of being. And I was the uh, the sports masturbationist for the team, uh, mm. teaching them uh, teaching them really the best ways to relieve stress in their off hours uh, during quality of time. From what I've heard, timing is important in those matters. You know, you can't <laughs> can't be too close to the game. Well, athletes have a natural physicality that really allows them to r- reach techniques, attain uh, objectives uh, in the masturbatory arts that are beyond uh, the likes of you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, their sort of, their sort of uh, more primal physicality is uh, uh, something we we should all actually be sad day to day. We can't uh, have, but um, I do yeah. my best to make them to help them tap it into it. On the other hand, I mean, I can't really, you know, I try uh, not to um, uh, masturbate before this podcast because then what would I do during the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Probably just think about masturbating all the time. Um, oh, oh, wait. Well, there no. you go. Um, <laughs> uh, do, all right. Do you ever wish there do – before we get to our topic, do you wish there was, like, a World Series of bands? Like, do you ever wish that there was, like, an actual competition between bands? I mean, I guess there's Eurovision, but that's uh, – Yeah, I think that's what Eurovision and American stupid. Idol are. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's, like, bad music. I think like, the pro- that's the problem. These, I mean, also Battle of the Bands is a thing that every fucking rock station in the country puts on once a year. That's true. I I like that concept. I, you know me. I, uh, uh, all these things eventually boil down to a popular vote, which um, I do not want to submit my art to. So, um, no, no, I w- I want it to be judged by a pretentious panel. <laughs> start to finish okay so if that panel is ready willing and in fact eager to piss the crowd off with their choices then i'm down with it yes yes i love it uh, 
the 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 judges need to be booed by the end of the competition or else you fucked up yeah yeah um okay paul uh we are here to talk about two musical entities mm-hmm. uh, the uh kraut rock uh, band can con mm-hmm. can i say can uh, i say can too uh, they had two American lead singers, so I'm going with Ken. Actually, maybe Suzuki wasn't American for some reason. I said that, even though it's probably not true. He was obviously Japanese. Um, they started with an American lead singer, so it's Ken. Yes. Um, and Wikipedia offers no guidance on how to pronounce it, but we're going to go with Can. I mean, they do have an actual Can on the cover of one of their albums. That's so. true, actually. It's a fucking Can. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll use that. And then uh, the uh, after that, we're going to talk about the Japanese producer Nujabes, uh, mm-hmm. Nujabes, Nujabes. Mm-hmm. I can't. There's no like kind of like you know, dumb do white you, white person way to say that. Do you want to ha- discuss that now? Because that was that was definitely a bit I wanted to do. Um, yeah, let's c- do your bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did most of it already. Um, but I find it like like just the name gets stuck in my head. In all the various pronunciations, like they just run in a sequence, like New Jabes, New Jabies, yeah. New Jabes, yes. over and over. I think it's. I think the name is. It's like it has a strange amount of power. Like it, it does. It just kind of hypnotized me. It's like I need to know who this Japanese jazz hip hop producer is. And all all of the pronunciations are sort of like fun to mouth in their own way. Yeah. Um, um, yes. It are is. you aware that it is his name backwards? I am. Sort. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like backwards, but the well, first and name mashed together. Yeah. 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 Sebajun Nujabes. Yes. Um, so I don't think, obviously, since it's made up, I don't know what he said, but there's no obvious way to turn that around. Anyway, yes. we're going to talk about that guy. Yes. Um, first, are we going to talk about Can? No, we're going to talk about Can first. Yeah, let's talk about Can. Let's play some Can. All right, let's play the thief. All right. So that was The Thief by Can, a song originally recorded in 1968, but not released till 1983 or something. Um, why and must a song... you be The Thief? <laughs> Please, God, tell me why. 
Um, Literally. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is this is a good song to start with, just because it's the thing. It's like the reason that I know that I bothered listening to Can, namely mm-hmm. because Radiohead covered it. Yes. Um, Such a good cover. It's so good, and it's funny because. Uh, I didn't actually listen to the original until we were preparing for this episode because <laughs> it's not on one of their like r- really like central classic albums. Um, like I said, it was actually shelved for 15 years before it was finally released. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, as it turns out, doesn't really sound like the stuff that made me fall in love with can when I finally did listen to it. Um, and in fact, it's a surprise. It turns out that the Radiohead cover is surprisingly faithful. For a long time, I thought like, oh, well, the Radiohead cover is very rock. Can is um, s- at least a very weird take on rock. So probably it's all different. But no, this is like their most rock type of thing. And uh, uh, it's really good, uh, even in the can version, or at least I think. What, what's your feeling on it, Joe? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I love this song. And I, obviously, I came to it through Radiohead, the same thing. Um, you know, it's it's Tom takes uh, Damo Suzuki's vocal performance. No, no, this is Malcolm Mooney. This is the well, first which, guy. Oh, it is. Okay. I can't. Yeah. It's Is it weird that – how did they find so many weird singers? <laughs> it is funny uh, that they – one is a black guy from San Francisco and one is a, a Japanese dude. And yet they kind of actually sound the same uh, yes. as they sort of uh, do weird horse yelling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how they found them, but they did. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, in that version, Tom, uh, is absolutely savage in his vocal performance and really picks up on the desperation in the song. But, you know, and I think that is, you know, Radiohead found what was good in this song, which I will now talk about and not reference Radiohead anymore. Um, um, you know, this song, it has a, a haunting momentum and mm-hmm. it claws its way into you. And it also has this cryptic, ancient guitar uh, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, I wrote down. It pierces the haze only to show you another deeper mystery. It's <laughs> um, well put, actually. And, and you know, as the tension builds, there's these pleading lyrics where, you know, uh it's it's like a surreal retelling of um uh you you know the actual words for whatever the fuck when everybody's up on the crosses with jesus and somebody's talking to him oh is that what it is that makes sense yeah yeah (laughs) and and it kind of goes in and out of that scene the crucifixion Um, is what they call that well yeah Uh, yeah well yes i guess i knew that i feel like there was Oh, isn't uh, there a word for the three dudes? The eh, three dudes? No. Yeah, no. They don't get a word. Poor <laughs> no, dudes. The two, the two thieves is what they're called. Okay, um, the two thieves. Okay, so we'll say we'll say that's what I was reaching for. We'll pretend that's what I was reaching for. Um, okay. It's you know the 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 effect of the song where he is saying, he's kind of saying, why do I have to be the thief? Why am I the bad person here? Mm-hmm. And he kind of seeks for redemption, and then it ends up being far too late. And then there's a, there's this just kind of devolves into insanity where he's 
uh, screaming pride over and over at the end. I it, it's it's one of those songs that when you explain it, you don't it you can't even yeah put the pieces together. Like even understanding how, like the overall effect, I cannot I cannot take the pieces apart and explain why this is such a good rock song. <laughs> I think yeah for for me what works about it is um, it's sort of like a one of these, um, uh, you know, like you, haze is a good word. Uh, these sort of um, mysterious, druggy '60s rock songs, which is what it is. It was recorded in the '60s, but with like a way stronger funk beat to it, and um, or a way funkier beat. Anyway, it's not mm-hmm. like six. You know, like I think uh, it's the non-rhythm track parts of it sound sort of Jefferson Airplaney to me, or. Yeah. Um, uh, but just with a totally different rhythmic underpinning that I like a lot. And then, of course, on top you have um, this crazy guy uh, uh, s- sort of shouting tortured or, or hoarsely breathing tortured lyrics that um, uh, certainly convey the desperation that fits with the rest of with the music going on behind it. So I don't know. I think that's... Uh, that's a, at least taking a stab at what it is. It's got sort of the mystery and enchantment of uh, that period's uh, more psychedelic rock, but with funk as well. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's listen to one of their other songs, and maybe I could get into a little more of why okay. Can is so good overall. Yeah. What's your vote for the other one? I have a vote. But... I, I would say so. Uh, my vote would be Paper House. Well, I also love Future, like Paper House or Future Days. It's interesting to me that you didn't choose choose the one I was going to choose, which is Vitamin C. I um, I always listen. I'm like Vitamin C is like too. Well, I don't know. Everyone says that's one of their best songs, and that one hasn't connected to me as much as some of the. That's others, funny. So we'll we'll talk about it later. Um, okay, but you can play that. It's it's another good example. Yeah, we'll do Paper House. It's a good one. Okay. It's a more varied song. House from Cannes 1971, I want to say, album Tagomago, or maybe it's Tagomago, um, which uh, is a long and uh, a very sort of, um, uh, it, it's a long rock slash jazz slash funk song that goes a lot of different places before you get to the end, um, but again has that sort of... Uh, a uh, combination of a deeply awesome beat and mm-hmm. uh, some really haunting, weird rock instrumentation on top of that. 
What made uh, you, what attracts you to this song, Joe? Well, I, you know, I, there is again this sort of low swinging groove uh, that's like corrupted and darkened, and it's it's wastes away into this uh, nice slow ending. And again, there are these strange, even stranger lyrics about mm-hmm. <laughs> flying somewhere in a paper house and just stopping <laughs> in the sky. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I have no idea what any of Damo no. Suzuki's lyrics are no. because why would you pay attention to what he's actually saying? It's just like cool sounds. Yeah, let's we'll assume that drugs were involved in the uh, yes. the creation of this, um, uh, and oh wait, this song is clearly about do- taking psychedelic drugs. Actually, as soon as I read it, <laughs> you can make everything what you want with your head. There you go. Um, uh, so, uh, I think that gets to overall, like what can is so good at, uh, are these bands that are able to create drama and tension and momentum without needing any, uh, adornments or even signals of those, of those elements they simply are able to find um these core uh sometimes moving sometimes disturbing uh ways to play their instruments that um you know to me leaves me more uh it leaves more of it to my own mind Mm-hmm. Uh, as as I listen to it, so there there's kind of like more of a dialogue in the music, and I feel as like you know as it builds to a crescendo or towards its emotional release, more of that is happening within me, ex- uh, you know, rather than just kind of the song signaling like now the guitars are really loud and you know mm. or things are kind of coming to a head with the faster tempo or something. There's there's um, I don't know more. Maybe it's just a more, more subtle uh, guidance. That's an interesting way to look at it. That um, it's a less uh, authoritative, less dictatorial style of art. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, huh? Uh, I mean, on the one hand, um, any music you love is going to be because of the response that you bring to the table when it happens, or anything you love. Um, yes. But I can see that there's still a distinction there to be made um, where uh, you're, you know, there's, it's, it seems to be less intentional, I guess, um, what the artist is doing, Mm -hmm. but still, obviously, uh, that doesn't mean random or lacking in quality. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't thought of it that way at all, but I kind of like it. for me, what's interesting about this and about your choice here um, is, uh, like, I just I just fucking love breakbeats so much. Yes. And Can is a breakbeat factory. Yes. Um, and in particular on Vitamin C, which is a song we mentioned a minute ago that is probably their most famous song, um, except for maybe uh, I'm So Green, which apparently was used as a TV theme in Germany or something. Um but uh, vitamin C has, to my mind, like just that that drum beat gets stuck in my head all the fucking time. I just walk around 
with that playing in my head nonstop. And then with Damo Suzuki on top yelling nonsensical stuff about vitamin C, um, which, uh, you know, so I've, I've referred several times here to how none of anything they're saying makes sense. That may be a little unfair. Um, it's There's lots of music I listen to that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, but uh, um, what's... It's interesting, like like hey you, uh, you're losing, you're losing, you're losing your vitamin C. Is somehow a nonsense lyric that I that kind of seems to mean something to me somehow. It's like um, it feels like he's yelling at some bougie asshole who is neurotic and afraid of losing everything or of things going wrong all the time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this is a fine way to troll him by accusing him of losing something he needs but could could never actually lose. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I just explicated my attraction to that lyric right now live on the air. Um, so um, yeah, that sort of that sort of combo of like just off kilter ideas and then crazy beats and the type of mu- uh, the type of rock instrumentation you're talking about is. What made me, as soon as I listened to Ege Bamyasi, their mm-hmm. probably most famous album, the one with the okra can on the front of it. Um, mm, okay. uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I want to know if that is an actual can that exists, like with the word can written on it. <laughs> really That'd big. be awesome. That'd be fantastic. Ege Bamyasi apparently means okra. I believe that's what I read um, in Hungarian. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, as soon as I listened to that album, I was just like, oh, these guys are, um, just make some of the people, I don't know if they invented these beats, but they, they probably didn't, Mm -hmm. they obviously didn't, but they are applying them to rock in a way that very few other people, uh, ever have. And, uh, uh, I was instantly entranced as soon as I, as I experienced that. Yeah, you know, I uh, first off, thank you for, you know, kind of bringing these guys back. They're uh, sort of always been on my to get into list and it mm-hmm. was good to uh listen to a few songs to prepare for this. Um uh Paul, can you explain what a breakbeat is? Yeah, I actually just read a definition the other day, so let's see if I can come up with it. Um a breakbeat is uh the sort of um well, okay. So in uh, a break is the part in a song when sort of everybody else stops what they're doing and the drummer uh, goes right. nuts for like a measure or half a measure, um, putting in a lot of fills, doing a really complicated beat. Yes. Um, this is popular in, you know, funk music particularly, but also soul and R&B even and, and rock. Um and so, you know, sometime in the 70s and 80s, somebody figured out, hey, we could um, take just those parts of the drums when there's nobody else playing anyway, so it's easy to isolate the drums. And those are the best drum parts anyway, and we could just make a whole song out of those breaks. So that's what a breakbeat is. The most famous one is the Amen break from a song called, I think it's Amen Brother by somebody who might Oh, yes. Know. Okay. But but it's the classic breakbeat that's in like a million songs. Yes. I've, I've heard that. Uh, from because of that same thing, it's like you've heard this in you know twenty of your favorite songs. Yes, and you actually have in that yes. case. Um, it's the you, I, I'm not going to try to beatbox it here. here. We can <laughs> insert it later. Maybe. Yes, we'll insert it. <laughs> Ooh. 
But uh, yeah, so that's what a breakbeat is. And uh, uh, Can um, uh, just was like actually playing beats like that, particularly, you know, not on all the time on every song, but um, uh, Vitamin C is an example of a song where uh, it pretty much is that. And, you know, their style was that they were, you know, they were sort of a jam band who edited their stuff down into um, the best parts later. Vitamin C is apparently an example of that. There's like a long... There's a bunch of stuff before that that is not this incredible uh, uh, hyped uh, white man funk thing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's if you've got enough good musicians in a room and enough, uh, particularly a good enough drummer, um, you can do that. Yeah, uh, that you know, and that's a it might be a, a lost art of creating rock albums through just endless uh, recorded jam sessions. Um, I, I like, I like where that leads sometimes. I feel like that was a big sixties and seventies thing where like, you know, now you go out to a farmhouse, but you bring like a producer and you're like, everything's very controlled. But then you used to like, just go out to like some weird place in the, in the pastoral countryside and just jam. Do so many drugs. Yes. Yes. It's the drugs. The drugs have changed. I bet, I bet it. I bet even nowadays in indie rock circles, it's looked down upon if you're on drugs in the studio. What oh, yeah. what does this world come to? Um, granted, um, nobody has any money in their any drug every but, time they're not doing well, it. Yes, any drug but weed. Um, yeah, obviously you can do weed all the time. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I was just brought that brought up the beats because I think maybe that's, you know, it's that interplay between the vocals and the beats that are maybe creating that uh, sense of drama that I was Mm -hmm. referring to before. And, you know, maybe it helps to have a super insane singer or series of singers (laughs) uh, to ratchet up the tension. But um, it's, it's just, you know, the way you define um, most good bands, those words kind of fail with can. Um, And yet it's, it's cool that they're, you know, so popular. And I mean, I think a lot we have, you know, we can thank the um, people from the late sixties, early seventies being particularly into weird shit uh, <laughs> for that. And they're good. You know, this is a good, a good thing. Like support, support weird shit. You yeah. Know? Well, I'm not even sure that the people supported it that much. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I was reading an article with the bassist Holger Zuke, who seems, who died this year and seems like an awesome dude. Um, and he was talking about how even before he started his career, he he uh, took Karl Heinz Stockhausen's advice, which he worked with Karl Heinz Stockhausen, uh, to um, do like uh, Stockhausen did and marry a rich woman so that he wouldn't have to worry about money <laughs> with his music. Um, although he never said in the interview whether he actually did that, just that he went to go teach at a rich girl's uh, boarding school, school in Switzerland so that he could... <laughs> I, the the strong implication was that he was hoping to uh, uh, seduce and then wife one of the rich high school girls. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a strategy. I I you know I commend him for his dedication. Yeah, it's apparently that didn't work. But uh, one of his students, when he went to teach a class at the male side, was future Can guitarist Michael Caroli. So ah. yeah. It worked out for everybody. Sometimes being a creepy pederast works out is the moral of the story here. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, but I'm sad for whatever uh, boring rich girl could have had her life changed by <laughs> being married to the bassist from Can. It's really too bad. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, f- 
to sum up my can thoughts, there are a lot of can albums out there. Um, I've personally found that the sweet spot is the three album run from uh, Tago Mago uh, through Ege Bamyase to Future Days. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, Once Over Babaluma starts to get a little uh, light jazz for my taste. Mm-hmm. And before that, um, despite the presence of the thief, um, it's not quite weird and funky enough for me. But your mileage may vary. Uh, I would say, though, if you want to start with any three whole can albums, that's a good way to go. Yeah, and I think um, my final thought, first, we listened to the song Future Days to prepare for this, and it's a great nine-minute uh, found sound uh, jam with multiple movements. Uh, mm-hmm. I really, really um, loved the proto-Talking Heads vibe yeah. there. Um, and... Uh, you know, if I, I guess the main thing is Cant is one of those bands that's worth trying several times. Mm. It's not easy. Yeah, and even on my favorite albums, like there are tracks where I'm like, yeah, this one isn't as good. Yeah. Um, like Tago Mago has like a 15 minute long uh, song where they're just doing the weird space sounds that people were amazed they could make back in the 60s yes. and early 70s. Yes. I'm not really that into it just because it's like eventually it's just a sound collage and not so much like music. And that uh, for all my taste in weird avant-garde stuff, that has never quite done it for me. At least after the first few times I heard like, oh, you could do this with music. Um, But uh, uh, now that all of those things sound the same to me. So anyway, even on their best albums, there's tracks that I can that I could uh, that I could stand to leave behind. But uh, the heights are so high. Um, I really dig it. Yeah, a lot of I feel like track like that you have to really you know um, be in 1970s uh, West Germany. Yes, listening to it like staring out as like brutalist architecture rises <laughs> around you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. As yeah. Say. yeah. Um, okay, that's can. Uh, it is. People should try it out. I'm glad you liked it, Joe. That oh was- yeah mildly afraid you would be like yeah but um i in the end your taste is impeccable as ever no this one was this is it was an easy one it was an easy get (laughs) (laughs) all right um Uh, thanks let's move on thanks to radiohead as usual yes once again i we should count up sometime how many bands we listen to solely because of radiohead they're at least more than there should be well Um, yeah because um I'm trying to think of the. Uh, there's like another cover I listen to all the time from them. Let's hmm. think. Of, let's think of it on air and take five minutes to kind yeah. of be like, uh, well, maybe it was, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly a bunch of their opening bands I have listened to just because of Radiohead, namely Kid Koala, the Beta Band, um, yes, and most famously Cigaros. Cigaros being actually good, um, of course. Uh, but there are others too. Yeah. Did Clinic ever open for them? I want to say they did. Um. Yes, definitely. Uh, oh, radio. You know, Radiohead has covered. They've covered a lot of songs by like Neil Young, and that I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm more into Neil Young because I loved all the Radiohead versions of his songs. Ah, that's interesting. See, I never really got into Neil Young until my dad played uh, uh everyone knows this is nowhere on his fancy stereo and that album fucking rules oh yeah that so. that's pretty funny i was just listening to that album and it does 
in fact, fucking rule. <laughs> it's so good. Um, all right. Yeah. Shall we move on to, to New Jabez? Uh, yeah, my, I mean, honestly, Paul, I'm kind of, my mind, not to get distracted, but my mind is kind mm-hmm. of blown because one of those songs has been stuck in my head for like the past several weeks from that Neil album. Uh, oh, Neil, yeah? Yeah, there's a song called Round and Round. Yeah, yeah. That's, man, it's fucking great. Yeah. That's funny because that's probably one of the least uh, uh, upbeat songs on it. But totally. yeah, so good. <laughs> it's not upbeat. Um, <laughs> well, this has been our Neil Young interlude. That's a new hey, thing. I, we have not, we've talked about Neil Young. Uh, oh, we did a whole album, Neil Young album, actually. We did. <laughs> this is our chance to talk about a good Neil Young album. <laughs> yes. uh, we finally found a good Neil Young album. <laughs> no, Neil Young is one of those guys who's like, He's so awesome, and also he has like forty albums, so it's yes. kind of hard to like to like love Neil Young because you've never you're never gonna listen to like seventy percent of Neil Young. Yeah, you have you have to just go with the classics. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the reason we're here, the reason we actually uh, listen to Can is because I wanted to talk about uh, uh, Japanese producer Nujabes, and uh, you needed a band to talk about. <laughs> By the way, it just occurred to me we could also pronounce his name Nuhabes, which Nuhabes. is also going to be stuck in my head. Yes. <laughs> um, so I so I came um, uh, to discover uh, Nujabes through Das Racist. Um, ah. Speaking of discovering one good artist through another, um, my my personal favorite uh, hip hop track of all time is their song "Rapping to You." Um, I'm not saying it's the best hip hop track of all time. It's my favorite. Um, and uh, it gets stuck in my head all the time. And uh, I eventually realized that um, as much as I want to credit uh, Cool AD and the Das Race at Team and their mad rhymes, it's really the beat, um, yeah. which is uh, uh, producer Shalik uh, sampled a, a track from uh a uh new jabe's um uh new jabe's s- uh soundtrack he did um for uh samurai shampoo a okay a pretty well known anime um and i he, have heard of it yes and he did i think actually that this anime uh endures one of the main reasons it does is because um the music is fucking awesome cuz it's all by <laughs> Uh, new job is um so that's a long way of saying that i was like i kind of figured out that this was um this guy had more music and uh i went off to listen to it and it was a, a fascinating journey into um a very interesting producer uh let's let's listen to one of his tracks and then i'll i'll i'll, I'll kind of finish up my intro
Okay, that was uh, Next View featuring Uyama Hiroto on sax, although I'm not sure that we actually got to the Uyama Hiroto part during that. Uh, that um, part, the, the, the Uyama Hiroto part is good. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, and that's from Nujabi's first album, Metaphorical Music, which is the one we're referencing in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so... Uh, which, you know, I, I do want to note that if you're looking for these songs afterwards, his music is really hard to find. Um, it's yeah. not really on Spotify, uh, Amazon and other places don't sell it for download. Um, they so, only sell like out of print import CDs as yeah. far as I can tell. So I, I had to turn to, um, uh, YouTube. Yeah. And, and I decided anything this difficult to purchase uh legally um in fact it's it seems so like i'm I'm not even sure if i bought one of the physical albums that new job base would get any of that money i was like fuck it i'm just gonna download it um so it's pretty easy the the first google result for like new job base metaphorical music download works and gives you high quality files so oh there you go try that um you know we don't endorse that but also i endorse that in this case absolutely come at me no, I mean, th- my my view is if nobody's selling this shit, clearly nobody is trying to keep you from pirating it. I would hope that would just be vindictive. I agree. Um, uh, okay, so New Job is a little more about him. Um, he is. Uh, I I'd actually writing up a, the story of his career begins the day he was born, which is February seventh, nineteen seventy four, which was the exact same day. That Jay Dilla was born. Whoa! Uh, on, the other, on the other side of the world. Whoa! Yes. Um, and you know their uh, their lo-fi beats um, sculpted would they they power a lot of producers to this day. Jay Dilla very famously, and yeah. new job is in sort of a uh, YouTube chill wave or YouTube lo-fi uh, underground. Um, uh, and, um, you know, unfortunately both of them also died, uh, too early. Oh, uh, did he die? He did. He did. Dujabi's died in a car wreck in 2013. Okay. Uh, well, my, my previous comment about him getting the money was not a tasteless joke, but ignorance. <laughs> yes. It's, hopefully is yeah. Um, you know, his, his heirs can receive the money. I don't know. Um, uh, not an, Fortunately, I think Nujabe's had the, um, he didn't die directly after releasing his best album, which, uh, um, you know, Jay Dilla died like six days after he released Donuts. So, um, that's a real bummer. Um, and you know, I think they, they both, what I was digging into it is how many people are influenced, uh, by the work of this, um, Japanese producer who, you know, across the tracks, you hear this uh, combination of jazz and hip hop samples that are made really atmospheric. Um, there is this anime and RPG um, soundtrack quality to them, um, but his, his signature is these really lush sounds that, um, you know, they they they're they're mellow. They're the opposite of uh, one of the lead singers of Can in their effect. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and they really, they're like easy and relaxing and they like just 
you know, he really kind of rides the edge of being overly sincere, I think, without spilling over it um, too many times. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, it, it's it's pretty cool. And I'd say um, um, the track we just listened to uh, um, is pretty exemplary of the interesting place he can go with um, sampling and bringing in those um, jazz and kind of um, mellow sounds to hip hop samples. Yeah. So um, uh, I like jazz. Uh, some jazz I love. Uh, I, uh, I hate light jazz. Um <laughs> My dad used to put it on in the coffee shop we owned briefly. Yes. And I would change it to the like uh the free jazz channel. Yes. Um because um I just it's it's just fucking it, it's basically elevator music like jazz. Um so uh if you had described this album to me ahead of time, uh which is break beats with light jazz, I would have been like, Well, why why the light jazz part? But uh it turns out that either through um, exceptional skill or just um, really relying on extremely insistent and uh, uh, hyperactive breakbeats, you can overcome the innate um, uh, vanilla lameness of uh, light (laughs) jazz and turn it into something that whose beautiful aspects can be appreciated. Yeah. Um, It's interesting what you said about it, sort of riding that edge of, of tipping over into sentimentality um, because it kind of does, but I think it, it works out um, for the best uh, again, because you know, like, like Jay Dilla is an interesting contrast here because Jay Dilla's beats are uh, fat. One might say they have a, a, a deep low end and they've got this like just totally blunted out uh, thickness to them. Um, but they're not, hyperkinetic in any way um they tend to actually be fairly simple if you just diagram out where things hit um which is not to criticize them at all uh these like if i'm if i'm writing beats this is actually the way i'm typically more inclined to to envision the kind of music i like which is just like just really over the top uh tons of stuff going on with different drum hits uh all the time in complex patterns that get changed up in fascinating ways. Um, and uh, so uh, it's just cool to hear somebody sort of go with that for a full hour-long album um, where that's really sort of the formula is the light jazz stuff and uh, crazy break beats and then um, some extremely backpack rapping on top of some of the songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, if he has a, a big weakness, it's that he seemed to, in the mid-2000s in Japan, uh, not have access to great rappers. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are a little bit uh, too much of the cliche stereotype of the uh, thinking man's rapper who complains about how you rap about bitches too much. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> which uh, people got sick of that over a decade ago, but, uh, it's not terrible. It's just, uh, uh, I would rather listen to, um, Das Racist rapping over these beats. Yes. It's a, it's a, the, a dated portion of his, his albums, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so let's, let's listen to another track from this, um, called Kumomi. Uh, 
was uh, Kumomi, uh, which I pulled out um, because I think it exemplifies the his influence. It's kind of like the pure form of what he has um, inspired in uh, genres that are variously called lo-fi, hip-hop, blah, blah. wow, missed, missed that one, lo-fi, hip-hop, uh, jazz hop, uh, or chill hop. Um, mm-hmm. I d- did actually say chill wave, which is totally different music. Um, I think chill wave is like Stranger Things. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, sort of. So, you know, and now there are, um, uh, same as there are SoundCloud rappers, there mm-hmm. are SoundCloud and YouTube, uh, you know, chill hop producers just pouring out hundreds of these. You could listen to stations of it 24-7 on YouTube. Um, yeah. That's not, you know, too. And it's just, it's it's a whole... Um, it's a folk genre, basically, at this yes, point. Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> um, sort of like with New Job is, um, and of course, Jay Dilla, as it's like, you know, godfathers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty remarkable, and it is a certain, I think it also brings out maybe the hypnotic as- aspects of his music when he's not showing, uh, showing off quite as much um, and just showing what a good... Uh, beat doctor he is (laughs) yeah i like the way in that song um uh he very skillfully like takes a a fairly vanilla uh again light jazz track um but he sort of layers on some other piano chords on top of it that at least it doesn't sound to me like we're part of the original recording um along with the beat of course and uh, creates just enough sort of uh, harmonic tension in the arrangement to uh, keep it interesting, yet, as you said, chill. Chill is, of course, not usually the way I go with these things, but um, uh, it's still interesting enough. Uh, you know, the, the, the more show-offy tracks are, the, are definitely my favorites off this album, but it's always good to listen to, at least in the background. Um, yeah. I, I played video games and did work to this uh, music and it yes. was good for those things it almost demands that it almost demands to be like part of some other experience yeah it'd be good for like a walk around at night on headphones and yeah stuff like that. what was another song that you pulled out um the other ones that i liked uh lady brown has a really cool guitar sample yes um, uh really a classic uh like like a perfect hip-hop uh melody sample really um a Day by Atmosphere is really good. And then the closing track, uh, Peace Land, which is by far the longest one, I think. Um, yeah. Just is a good wandering sort of instrumental hip hop track. Yeah. Oh, Lady Brown has that kind of, it has that like, it's almost like, how'd you describe the car? Like classical guitar? I Yeah. It's it's, lick. it's either classic or jazz guitar. I don't know. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's a nylon guitar lick. Uh, you know, dun, 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 dun. I mean, who knows what the original sounds like? Uh, he it's, definitely made it very funky the way he sampled it. Uh, instantly uh, recognizable. Or it's, it instantly hooks you in. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. As soon as you hear it, you're like, yes. Whoever, when he heard this, he was like, that will be a track. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Totally. There's very little you need to do beyond totally. that. Totally. He he like heard it and he had to like get up from what he was doing. He just left someone mid conversation. Uh, <laughs> totally. Um yeah. Joe, have you ever listened to MF Doom's I think nineteen ninety nine album, uh, Operation Doomsday? 
I have, yes, I, I, I have, but not for a real long time. Okay. You might want to go back to it because that was the touchstone that this album immediately brought to mind for me. Mm. Um, in that it's, it's, it's doom, uh, rapping and producing on that one. And, uh, very, very much these sort of, uh, uh, almost Muzak like type of samples on almost all the beats. Um, so you get a very, compared to most Doom music, a, a relatively chill beat experience from him. Um, you know, with hip-hop beats thrown on top of these, of course, that are not quite as insistent as New Jabez. Um So anyway, if you like this, it would be interesting to see if you liked that a lot as well, if you went back to it. For sure. Um, yeah. Much better and, rapping on top of that, too, of course. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know the follow-up to this, uh, the follow-up to the album we listen to is Modal Soul, and that is um, often cited as uh, his classic. But I think that might be because it's a little more poppy mm. and less complex. And I thought it was, uh, uh, I thought the rappers on it were worse. So, oh geez, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Or too at, bad. <laughs> at least more present. It really is. Um, and then, of course, to his Samurai Champloo albums are like really beautiful, and those are um, almost all you know instrumentals with uh, singing in a lot of cases. Mm. Uh, but they are very uh, anime soundtrack at times. So nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which you know, I mean, could be good. Yeah, doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, you're no. just like, yeah, this this was in an anime. <laughs> That some good music has been in animes. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, so Joe, thank you for introducing me to Nuhabes. Yeah. Um, no question, now my favorite Japanese hip-hop producer. <laughs> yes. um, I th- it sounds like a joke, but actually there must be a lot of really good Japanese hip-hop producers now that I think are. about it. Yeah. And I don't know about them. Um, so maybe I should try to correct that. Um yeah, we'll have they to, can't all be doing J-pop. If you if you Google best Japanese hip hop producers, New Jabez comes up first, <laughs> <laughs> followed by Shing O2. Oh, Shing O2 is featured on uh, F I L O from this album. So oh, there you go. Or Google is just fucking up their list. Um, who knows? Uh, delightful. Um, okay, Paul. I think we've said what we said about these artists. I feel like everybody won. Mm-hmm. We have definitely said what we said. Yes. Um, oh man, adding that <laughs> to the list. <laughs> um, I just, I just love anytime anybody, including me, makes something like that. Um, all right, yeah. Uh, you know, I should remember to exhort people to like follow us on Twitter and send us emails. Mm-hmm. Possibly, we should really um, see if if. Jim from it from Minneapolis uh, ever got back to us again. Um, oh yeah, he was a good dude. Uh, I think it would have shown up on my phone, but you never know if you know notifications have been lost somewhere along the way. Um, and uh, you know we have so that's savagebeastpod at gmail.com. We also have uh, savagebeastpod uh, as our at on Twitter, and savagebeastpod.com is our website. Um, and then of course you know look for us on iTunes. You know. You can listen to us there. You can rate mm-hmm. us. You can review us. It's all good stuff. Um, uh, I heard a podcast recently where apparently the actual thing you're supposed to do is demand a five-star review lest lest you be uh, flung to the depths of the algorithmic rankings. Um, much as a 
taco stand that uh, accidentally forgets the cabbage on one fish taco one time might be ruined by one terrible Yelp review. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> we, live uh, in a, we live in a cruel, cruel world. But I say fuck that. I want to have the lowest. I want to have like the lowest score of anybody who has like a hundred reviews on iTunes someday. I think that would be pretty cool. Man, it would be great to name like a restaurant or food stand one star Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, some some rich chef should definitely do that if we don't get to it first. Yeah. Sell sandwiches for a dollar. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Uh, With that inside joke, everybody, good night. Good night.